Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma, and today we have a special guest, Chris Sells, who is a product manager for Google. Uh, he manages quite a lot of different things in the Flutter project, so maybe easier if I let you kind of introduce that to people rather than me trying to remember all the details you gave to me. Uh, so go ahead. Sure. Um, uh, hi, Alan. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I am uh, primarily responsible for the end-to-end -end developer experience uh, for Flutter, and that encompasses a number of things. Um, uh, I do a lot of work uh, with the ecosystem. Um, I'm on the Flutter ecosystem committee that does the um, designation for Flutter favorites. Um, uh, I work a, uh, a lot with um, our desktop um, uh, support, so I'm responsible for um, Windows support and macOS support and, um, and Linux support. And of course, I work with our our partners uh, on Canonical to make sure we have uh, uh, great Linux support. Oh, so you must have spent quite a bit of time with. Um, I believe I had him on. It was uh, Ken Van Dyne, I believe his name is. Yeah, Ken. Ken is my counterpart over on the Canonical. Yeah, he's he was a great guest. He really gave a lot of information, and I'm I was quite surprised about all the stuff that they brought back to the ecosystem. Yeah, Ken's a great. And in fact, working with the whole Canonical. Um, uh, team has been great. The, the, those guys really know what they're doing. Yeah, what kind of experience is it like working with those guys? Because, I mean, they're doing a very specific problem, right? I, I never would imagine creating a installer using Flutter. I mean, I, I, there's no reason why you cannot, right? Because it's still native, but it's just something that never mm -hmm. came up in my mind before. It is interesting. Um, uh, we have actually, um, the, uh, one of the community members for the Flutter community has actually built a Flutter installer using Flutter um, and Flutter Desktop. So essentially uh, what he did was he built uh, the Flutter installer and then he built one for Mac and one for Windows and one for Linux. They all uh, do installation. So in fact, the uh, the canonical uh, installer built in Flutter is not the first one I've seen, um, uh, the installer built with Flutter. Of course, you know, uh, in general, when people build installers, they're kind of formulaic, right? I've got, you know, a binary, maybe a bunch of binaries, you know, I've got some configuration, I want to, you know, drop it on the hard drive where the user says, maybe set up some configuration, right? That's pretty formulaic. And of course, there's toolkits for doing that. But that's not what Canonical is doing, right? I mean, Canonical is setting up a brand new machine with an entire operating system, right? So they really have to own the, the experience end to end. And we were pretty happy to see them uh, uh, choose Flutter uh, for building uh, for building it. Yeah. Um, what about the, actually, I'm kind of curious because I did play with Flutter desktop for Windows quite some time ago. One of the issues I had is this some random laptops that it just wouldn't work. Um, I think at the time you had to actually include a bunch of Dill files, but is that all been solved since then? Where like you could just drop the uh, single executable or do you still have to include all those support libraries? Oh, well, um, uh, it is absolutely the case that um, uh, we produce an XE. That XE requires some standard distribution DLLs, as well as if you're calling any SDKs or anything, native SDKs that require DLLs, um, that you need to bundle those as well. Uh, so yeah, we, we haven't, we haven't done anything magical in terms of trying to bundle all the DLLs into a single XE, XE, because on Windows, those, those DLLs could already be pre-installed. You could be building an installer that, you know, throws them into a Windows, folder. I mean, we don't, uh, 
we don't dictate any specific way you would uh, install your app on Windows, and we want to give people choices. And, of course, you can do it in several different ways on Windows. Essentially, what we do is build we build the XE and we document uh, the DLLs that you need uh, to ship uh, alongside. And then, and then you get to choose how you want to do that. Okay. I, I, I think that's makes sense, but I'm just thinking about like, um, the, the nice part about Flutter is that it's really works great for people who are new, right? Because it's so visual. I mean, if you think about traditional programming, right? I, I'm guessing you, you probably start off with something like C plus plus or, or something like that in the, in, in the back in, in your, yeah. yeah. So if you imagine like a, a, a newer developer nowadays who's like, is very visual, they, they can, you know, starting with C plus plus, they really, probably cannot see what it is that they're making, right? Or if they want to see it, it's going to take them quite some time. As opposed to Flutter, you just click the play button, you can see something immediately, and you can start changing colors and see all these changes immediately. Like, um, And that's still the case, of course, when you're, when you're getting Windows. And, of course, it's, it's not hard to, you know, um, bundle up the DLLs. Um, we put them in the redist directory for you and put things on a zip file and throw it up on a website if that's all you want to do in your distribution. But remember, we built we built Flutter to make the best possible apps you can build. So we don't only target, you know, just because Flutter is easy doesn't mean we only target beginners, right? We we target enterprise developers, professional developers, right? And developers that need that control of how they how they distribute their binaries, whether it's in the store, whether it's in an MSIX, whether it's in a zip file, however it is. We uh, we don't only target uh, beginners. In fact, most uh, of our desktop uh, uh, customers are are enterprise. Okay, that's that's interesting, but definitely makes sense. Uh, like, actually, I'm kind of curious too because I have had heard some pushback from businesses saying like it's not ready and all these things, and also that um, maybe they feel like because it's so easy to use that it's not very good product to use. Like, what has been the feedback from enterprise customers? Uh, you, you mean for Flutter in general or for Flutter desktop? Uh, I think Flutter in general is good to hear about. Actually, I do not ever hear that. I talk to enterprise customers all week long um, who are excited about the productivity gains they get um, for having a single source code base, the productivity gains they get by using a modern uh, UI framework. And um, uh, they're uh, excited about um, you know the, the native performance they get um, on the result. Uh, so that thing you said... I never hear. I hear the exact opposite. That's good. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, you, you hear different things from different people, right? But I think also I hear that because uh, out here, people are more, you know, risk adverse. They, they want to do things that are more like traditional, like the basic languages out here are like Java, Python, JavaScript, C++. I'm curious, are you on a desert island when you say out here are we we're what are we talking about i'm uh, i don't know where you are. Uh, i mean i'm in hong kong actually so the the mindset out here is is very i wouldn't say backwards but it's definitely behind i would say so if you say dart and of course mm-hmm. every region every area right we we have i mean uh, uh, a huge installed base for flutter developers in china um, uh, uh, also huge in India, South America, obviously North America, right? There are, we, we have, um, uh, a large, uh, set of regions, but of course not, not every region, not every company is at the same place in their technology adoption lifecycle, right? So, you know, Flutter 1.0 was very much an early adopter 
kind of a deal. With um, uh, with Flutter 2.0, we're seeing it very much early mainstream, right? Um, where it's it's folks that want to take advantage of new technologies to help drive their business, but it's all it's also seen as a mainstream technology, right? That it's it's no longer you know uh, at risk of just falling apart and going away and blowing away in the wind. Um, and then, of course, then there's other companies that are on the late adopter side, right, or the mainstream side, which is, hey, uh, we only pick it once it's clear that everyone else is using it and we're being left behind, right? So different different businesses, different regions are in are in different parts of that uh, of that life cycle. Yeah, that, that that also makes sense. Plus, you also hear like people saying, you know, I won't touch it till it's one or I won't touch it till it's two o, and if it's two o, I won't touch it until it's two point one because you still got to take the hinks out of two. <laughs> This kind of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. And the other question I have too is like when you talk to these enterprise customers, uh, there's been a lot of promise from a lot of people saying that, okay, one code base to rule them all, right? Like, let's not forget like Java's original thing was right once run anywhere. It's not always true to a certain extent, right? But like, how can you actually promise that, yeah, it's one code base and everything runs fine? I mean, there has to be a lot of setup and cadence that you have when your code base if you want to support so many different platforms. Uh, so here's, here's what I can tell you is that um, uh, we, we do uh, as well as any framework I've yet seen, right? To be clear, as an industry, we've been solving, trying to solve this you know, multi-platform thing for about 30 years, right? And there's been lots of you know, the, the road behind Flutter is littered with the corpses of technologies that have, have tried to create the, you know, right once, run anywhere kind of uh, technical solution. What I would say is that Flutter is uh, engineered um, based on, you know, the, the learnings from the past. Um, and uh, the, Flutter has a couple of things that um, uh, these other technologies didn't have or um one of the things is it is not meant to be uh, a lowest common denominator. It's meant to be the best possible thing it can be on every platform. And the universal safety valve is the fact that you can drop down and write native code in any of the platforms that you want. And then, it, and you know, if you want something for Android and iOS that's different from a native point of view, you write it both in Android and iOS, and then the compiler sorts it out. Oh, you're on Android. We'll give you the Android version. And what we do is... We don't try to have one universal binary that, that targets everything, um, but rather we let you write your source code and then you say, I want the Android version and I want the iOS version and I want the web version and, and we, we generate the, um, the appropriate uh, binary or output for each one of those platforms. Uh, and, uh, and we do it, uh, Dart, the underlying Dart platform uh, is unique in its ability to provide you know, a really great uh, uh, developer experience with sub-second hot reload and, and, and you know, it uses just-in-time compi- uh, compilation to be able to provide very fast developer experience. But then when we target um, the output, right, when, when we target a, a release build that, that is meant to, you know, target each platform, that's, that's native code based on the platform. So, you know, desktop platforms are x86 and and the web is highly optimized uh, JavaScript, um, and you know mobile is ARM. Uh, so you know uh, that's that's the experience you get. Again, one of the benefits is you write your source code in a in a multi uh, multi platform way, 
Uh, and then you get the targeted binaries that have all the stuff in it that you need for that platform. Which is not to say that we expect developers to write their code ignorant of the platform, right? You have to take into account if you're going to be uh, targeting uh, small screens and large screens, you have to make your app responsive so that it lays out nicely on small screens and large screens, right? We can't hide that from you. Um, that's something that you have to, to manage. If you want to take advantage of, um, you know, native integrations, uh, for example, there's, uh, you know, as I look at the desktop, there's some uh, really great plugins that allow you to do, you know, cool things with a caption bar and kind of merge your app bar and the caption and provide that functionality um, in a way that, that, you know, is just like what modern uh, uh, desktop applications do today. Um, you know, the, you get that control. You have the ability to tailor it as much to the individual platforms as you want while still leaving the bulk, could be 100% of your code is shared, could be 80% of your code is shared, but what we find is that people largely write as much code as they can in a shared way, and then they drop down to the native side with plugins or you know direct native code to do the things that they can't do uh, directly in Dart. But we, we still find that's mostly a, a pretty small percentage of, of the average app. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think the the main question I have is like, is there a recommended approach on how I should do a adaptive or responsive type app, right? Because I think adaptive is also another thing you want to take a look at too, right? Because you can, you can hover with your mouse, but you cannot hover with your finger on a mobile device. You can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this kind of thing, like, is there any kind of recommended approach where I can structure my app and in this kind of way? Absolutely. Um, we have about a 3,000 word document up on the website titled um, uh, uh, Adaptive Apps. Um, how do you build adaptive apps? And it, and it largely delves into three areas of, of activity. One is, you know, screen size, right? Adapting to that. One is um, uh, input modes, as you mentioned, right? Um, mouse, keyboard, touch, how to think about those different kinds of input. And the third is um, the platform-specific ad adaptability, right? How do you take advantage of, you know, unique unique features of, of every one of the platforms that, that you're targeting? Um, and at I.O., uh, Kevin Moore gave a talk uh, all about this topic, um, which is kind of a, a summary, the high points of, of that recommendation document. So I would, I would turn you on to both of those resources uh, where we dig into just exactly that, that question that you just asked. And I think looking at the Folio app from GSkinner, that one should also be good to take a look at, right? It's basically follows all that perfectly. Yeah, uh, the Flutter Folio app was built with this in mind to target the six platforms of Flutter. Uh, the Flock app, also from GSkinner, was built again with, with this guidance in mind to take advantage of all six of those platforms. Those are both excellent samples uh, to dig in, and they're real world, right? We built them to you know be small, small apps, but still real world. They do real things. Um, and you can see how, you know, how developers uh, on Flutter are solving these real world uh, issues. I think the the one platform that I've had some issues with is definitely web. Um, one of the things that just randomly happens to me is that it just stops hot code reloading. Is this still being looked at by the Flutter team? Absolutely. We're, um, we're continuing. I mean, we released the first uh, version of, of uh, Stable in March. Uh, and if you remember, um, uh, Flutter, 
uh, 1.0 was the first uh, uh, version for Android and iOS in production. And we didn't stop, right? We've been working every day for the last three years on improving Android and iOS. Likewise, for web, right? We, we released it into production and, and we have plenty of customers using it in production, but we haven't stopped. We continue to work on the scrolling. We continue to work on accessibility. We continue to work on performance. There's, we have uh, a roadmap of, of work we're continuing to do on the web. Uh, let me ask you this question because, uh, like I said, the, the the thing about the the web, right, that I've seen other people complain about, and I also had mentioned just now about the high code reloading stop working. Like, what to me that that's kind of a, a little bit of a blocking issue. But that, I mean, it's not too bad, right? You can just turn it off, turn it back on. Um, but like, what would be, what's the criteria for saying that this is production ready? This is not production ready because I think even the desktop experience is already pretty good because I've actually used it to deliver some products. So I'm pretty happy with it, but it's still not marked as production ready necessarily. Right. So what's like the criteria? Uh, so the criteria is whether you can produce something that has good runtime characteristics for your customers. Um, not to say that we can't improve those and we will. Um, and certainly, you know, we, we, we also work hard uh, on the end-to-end developer experience for every platform, but that's not to say that there aren't improvements needed, um, and uh, there certainly are in, on, on both sides, for not just web, but across the board for, for all the platforms. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Okay, that's, that's good. So uh, how do you kind of measure the runtime experience then? Uh, so we look at, we have uh, a set of uh, criteria, a set of sample apps that we look, we have a set of customers, and we work with them to make sure that their um, major uh, criteria, their their use cases are solved in a reliable way. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, the I would say that, you know, uh, uh, Steve Ballmer was, was famous for saying developers, 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 and definitely, you know, I'm from, I was at Microsoft uh, for eight years. I was in the Microsoft ecosystem for, for 20 years. And so developers are, you know, the, that's who I get up every day to, to make their lives better. That's, that's who I care about. That's the customer I care about. But the Flutter experience doesn't forget customers, right? So I'll say customers, customers, customers. We, when we ship any platform, it's all about having a set of customers that we know that we've unblocked with this stable release and making sure that they have what they need to be successful and that they're happy with what they have. And so we did the same with web and we'll do the same with desktop um, to make sure that they're happy. That's not to say that we've made every single, um, you know, customer happy because we can never do that. Just to be clear, we'll, we'll always be trying. Right. But that's a, that's a moving target. But our goal is to make sure that we have a set of customers, no matter how small, happy with our release. And then over time with with subsequent releases, that that group of, of happy customers gets larger and larger over time. Yeah, isn't the saying like you, you can't make everybody happy all the time? You can only make some people happy some of the time or something like that? <laughs> we try to make as many people happy as much as we can. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, the number of people we're able to make happy is never as large as we'd like. Yeah. But we keep trying. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's really tough to, to make consumers happy. Uh, I, I face that problem quite a lot. So do my clients. So sure. um, I had one more question for you, but it just totally eluded me. Um, but yeah, I think, I think let's, 
the next thing is that I want to go back onto like the main topic, right? Is that you specifically created a routing package. I feel like routing is, is now in a stage where it's like we're another package, another package in terms of like trying to solve a problem, right? Maybe we can kind of roll back since you have some more insider knowledge and, and you have access to the kind of knowledge. It's like, what's the deal? Like, why do we have to have Navigator 2.0? Why, why can't we just use existing Navigator or just add some existing API to it? What, what actually happened? A couple of things happened. Um, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I'll say, you know, it, it's easy to compare. Um, in fact, it, it's valid, I think, to compare uh, the navigation and routing space um, where we are today in Flutter with where we are with where we are were maybe two years ago with state management, which is, you know, nobody was happy with it, with how the state management package works. Everyone had an opinion and they kept coming out with new ones. And that was very useful. Essentially, what Flutter did was they provided the core base um, uh, that everyone can build on, but it wasn't it wasn't um, full featured. It wasn't easy to use, right? I mean, um, uh, and so there was a, a lot left to be desired. And we had this kind of Cambrian explosion of all of these state management um, uh, providers, um, and that was good because it got us Block, it got us MobX, it got us. Um, uh, provider, right? It got us this set of state management solutions, and then people could vote with their feet, right? They could say, "Ah, I like this one. I like that one," and and different people pick different things, and that's okay um, for for people to have different opinions about um, uh, the different state uh, management solutions they pick, and it's the, the Flutter team's job to make sure that we build you know, a base, a framework on which a thousand flowers can bloom. And that's what happened in state management. And then things settled down, right? We, we, we you know, as a, as a community of Flutter developers, we could look and say, ah, okay, now we, we get the shape of the problem space and we know that we've got different solutions and we know what those different solutions are good for and we know how to recommend and, and how to guide people. Now, when it comes to, to navigation and routing, the Navigation 1 API was nice and simple, but it was not anything like full-featured enough for what people really wanted to do. And, and by the way, you know, um, state management, navigation, routing, these are kind of universal problems across any UI framework, right? And so um, every, every one of them has to solve it in a way that fits its developer base and you know, its, its core you know, principles. And so we are going through, you know, the necessary evolution of Flutter and the Flutter community and figuring out what Flutter best practices are as a community um, to get to a place where we can say, OK, we, we've got a handle on state management. We're pretty sure we know how that works and, you know, what, what the choices are. And now we're going through, I think we're at the tail end of that uh, now with navigation and routing. With navigation one, um, it was a nice, simple API. Uh, but it was nowhere near full featured enough. It didn't uh, support deep linking in a in a multi platform way. Um, it just it just wasn't enough. And so people were building various packages that tried to you know hack features in and and uh, you know th they did so with varying degrees of success and varying degrees of of depending on internal implementation details that may or may not change over time. And so the 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 Flutter team took that. Um, uh, and and looked at new capabilities um, and and came up with navigation two, 
Now, the wonder and beauty of Navigation 2, just stepping back, Navigate, what Navigation 2 does best is two things. One, pure flexibility, right? You are able to participate in multiple levels of the navigation um, uh, lifecycle from, you know, hey, here's, here's the, the, the name of the location in your app where the user could go. You know, how do you want to represent that as state in your app? And we'll keep that for you for a state restoration point of view. And we'll give it back to you um, uh, when it comes to, okay, now it's time to, you know, build the, the, the list of pages. And once you've given us those pages, you know, we'll put the back button automatically on the nav bar and we'll automatically handle the back button for Android. And, um, you know, uh, when they do press the back button, we'll let you know and you can do whatever you need to do to update your app state. So it, it lets you participate in all of those levels. However, the cost of that is complexity, as you know, and we can talk about that in a second. The other thing that um, uh, Navigation 2 does uh, that's really great is it allows you to handle deep linking in a truly cross-platform way. So if you set up Intense, you know, in Android, you know, there's some configuration you have to do in the manifest. But when that URL comes into your app um, that, you know, was taken from the router and rerouted to your app, when that, when that URL comes into your app, it's the same format as when the URL comes in from iOS and when it comes in from the browser. Right, you can just write your navigation code around this core um, uh, URL format, and not have to worry about, you know, am I dealing with deep linking on Android or iOS, or the browser or whatever? You can just write your navigation code in a in a truly multi-platform way. And so I will say, right, navigation and routing is hard enough on any one platform. Right, um, all of them have it. It's all hard. It's, you know, it's always um, a struggle to get it right. And it always takes multiple iterations to get it right. But then trying to do it in a way that plugs into multiple operating systems uh, underneath, the, uh, the Flutter engineers, I think, came up with a, a really great design. Now, of course, with all that flexibility, as I say, comes complexity. And so what happened was, uh, again, very much like state management, we had this explosion of people with their own packages they came around and said, well, I understand all that flexibility. Some of it I really need. Some of it we don't really think we do need to implement the scenarios we care about. So what we're going to do is we're going to build um, uh, APIs on top. And that's what the customer router packages are um, uh, that you'll see on, um, on PubDev. You'll see things like AutoRoute and, and Beamer and uh, vRouter and RouteMaster. And the, the list goes on and on. Um, of people that have wrapped, have wrapped this um, underlying, very flexible, also complex API, which was something um, simpler uh, for, for folks to uh, uh, understand and they're therefore easier for them to uh, add it to their uh, application. Can we talk about some of the packages that you guys took a look at? So I think I remember you talked about, uh, you guys were looking at the different routers and seeing which one is I guess it's probably to, to recommend one, right? To say that this one is one that we think you should use in case you don't have an existing choice. So, like, you looked at, sure. I think Beamer is the most popular one. Like, what, what do you think about Beamer? Or can you talk very particularly about what's, what it does good and what you think could do some improvement on? So, we, um, we looked at a number of them. 
Um, and, you know, uh, the, we have a, a report that we plan on uh, to publish uh, soon. Um, and what I will say is, of the ones we looked at, um, all of them were uh, great at some stuff and less great at other stuff. And so what we found is none of them is great across the board in a way that we can really say, aha, use this one. We're ready. We've figured it out as a community. This is the one that does, you know, all pretty much all the things that you want to do. And it does it in a consistent way with great docs and great samples and easy to understand and easy to use. So we, we, uh, in our studies did not find that, that routing, uh, library. We found that, however, every single one of them, what we looked at was better than nothing. In fact, way, way better than nothing. Um, um, and when I say nothing, I mean using the, you know, uh, the, the navigation to API, uh, kind of in the raw, right? Um, by hand, all of them were better than that. Okay. Um, what do you think that most of them are kind of lacking? Was it the easy to use part? Because I know when I look at the docs, like I always feel like hmm, this is kind of complicated. That's what I usually feel when I take a look at all the different routing places. But that makes sense because routing, like you said, is not a very simple concept. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, you the, it is a uh, it's a hard line to walk. It's one of those um, software uh, design problems where it's a hard line to walk. The kind of thing you want is something that is super easy to adopt for the common cases, but also supports those advanced cases for when you, you know, want to do something uh, special. Um, and of course, Navigation 2 by itself can handle any old thing, um, uh, but, it's, but it's really hard to make it do just, just the basics, right? Whereas we find that a lot of these packages made it possible to do uh, the hard thing in a reasonable way, and some of them were better or worse um, at, you know, the, the, the super simple thing, right. That, that, you know, so the, the barrier to entry was not quite as good as we might like, or, you know, they were great at these scenarios and it was more difficult for people to understand for these other kinds of scenarios. And the kinds of scenarios I'm talking about are things like, you know, uh, guards for login and, you know, um, having a stack of pages, being able to, uh, um, replace the entire stack, being able to, you know, push something on top of the stack. Um, you know, those kinds of common uh, scenarios that that people want to uh, to implement in their apps. So, if you looked at basically all the at least all the top ones, and none of them are fitting all the criteria, then what's the plan uh, to do to solve this kind of problem? Is it that Google's going to step in and try to make some kind of reference implementation, or what do you think? So, uh, so at this point. Um, in the evolution, we feel like people are converging on, you know, what a declarative um, routing solution should look like and how, um, you know, to build up the kinds of uh, support for the scenarios that people want. So at this point, it feels like not such a great use of uh, limited Flutter engineering resources to go and, and build a whole new one up from scratch, uh, but rather... Um, to provide feedback to all the router uh, implementations uh, to be able to say this is the criteria that we're uh, that we're using to look at them and we did a bunch of user studies expensive user studies right we we pay Googlers to sit down and talk to developers and say hey you know try to do this with this library try to do that with this library this is not something that your average um, 
you know, uh, package developer can can afford to 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 do right to pay full time employees to to have these kinds of conversations. So we're going to be sharing that data as a way to help um, uh, the engineers who are building these packages in the community have some data and go, oh, I see people are tripping on this or that, right? I can make this easier or that easier. Oh, they they need this feature or this other feature. Um, and the 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 goal then would be over time, the space continues to iterate, and we get better and better until you know one or a small handful kind of emerge as um, you know uh, as good as we think you can do, right? As as good as um, you know any uh, uh, Flutter engineer themselves would do uh, in terms of if they were to build. Uh, Something up. For example, in the state management, if you look at provider, the one that we kind of, hey, if you don't know which one to pick, pick provider and it'll handle most of your use cases and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't uh, uh, hamstring you in terms of a specific architecture. On the other hand, we also say if you would like an architecture imposed by your state management solution, hey, take a look at Block. Block has a specific way of doing things. And any block developer can pick up your app and immediately know what's going on. It has more ceremony. It has more code in it. But it does point you down a specific uh, path, uh, an architectural path. So, you know, we can we can make these uh, recommendations in the state management space because we worked with the authors and we gave them feedback and we tried to come up with something, you know, simpler and more full-featured um, and we're doing, we're trying to do the same thing uh, in this space too, where we give the the package authors feedback, and then they improve uh, until you know we have a small handful uh, that we can really hold up and say, ah, take a look at these. I think you'll you'll have good experiences with X, Y, and Z. Oh, that's great. So then you actually reached out proactively and said, hey, here's some feedback for you guys. It, maybe you can try this, or or this is where we. Is it like you can try this and make this change, or is it that this is where people are getting stuck up on? Can you try to make some improvements? It's the second one. It's the second one. And you mentioned a report, right? So as part of studying each one of the, the handful of, of uh, custom navigators that we studied, the authors all got feedback as, as participating in that study from a package author point of view. Um, and then, you know, as you say, we have a report uh, that we plan uh, to publish, which is, hey, here's the overall results uh, uh, across the board. And again, that... That can be for for the ones we study. It can be for anyone building a, a customer adder solution. When's the report coming out? Because I'd love to see this. Well, that's an excellent question. That's what I had the feeling of. <laughs> kind of when it's when it's ready, right? That's right. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, you're giving feedback already to people, or you're waiting to the end and just like publicly giving it out and saying if you want to, you want more information, come out to to us. As I say, the, the package authors themselves got feedback along the way. Okay, so they already got feedback already. It's not wait till the end and then they'll find out. Yeah, in fact, if you look um, at the beginning of our study and the end of our study, which lasted uh, uh, a couple of months, um, you can you can see improvements across the board in most of the packages we studied. You just see these flurries of releases, right? That's right. Oh, I can just I can just imagine like, okay, how about now? And then test the guy again. <laughs> Sure. I think we, at least I know I've done that before where it's like I try to fix uh, something for a client and I'm like, okay, try it now. And no, no, no. Okay. Please work. Commit. Yeah. <laughs>
For sure. <clears throat> okay, that's that's good to hear. Uh, how about for your? So this kind of goes back to what our topic is. It's like about your go router, right? So it's interesting that even though you're on the Flutter team, you have some some knowledge about what's going on, but even go router itself is not actually filling all the gaps that the Flutter team's looking at, right? So, like, what made you interested? What do you think uh, gaps are left in the go router? I don't know. I mean, you mentioned that that um, when I'm saying gaps, I'm saying like you, it's not at a stage where you guys can say, okay, this is the one to use, right? Like, where is it lacking in the in the studies that you guys did? Uh, go router uh, was released after we began our studies. It was not part of the studies. Oh, okay, so then it's never actually been tested. The studies, at least. Uh, that's correct. That's absolutely right. It was not part of the study. And and to be fair, I, I only released it uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm aware it's a brand new package, right? So I'm guessing that you took all the knowledge and, and feedback from the studies and then kind of applied some of that to the Go Router package. Is that right? Actually, it's interesting. I um, it was a uh, it was a parallel effort. Um, the the studies ran about the existing um, uh, routers. While I uh, I spent uh, about four months um, from uh, my first commit. Um, to building my own router, so they were uh, they happened in parallel. Now, of course, um, I was familiar with the scenarios I was they were testing, um, and so I, I made sure I did the best I could on those uh, scenarios. But I also, um, you know, evenings and weekends, uh, I I enjoy writing Dart and Flutter code. So I have real world apps that I build that needed you know real navigation and routing, and I care about deep linking, and I I wanted to make sure all of that worked well. And um, I didn't myself, it, in my own research, find any uh, routing package that met my own, uh, I don't know, taste, if you will, ones that, that um, I wanted to use. And so evenings and weekends, free time, that's when I kind of built up the Go Router um, to, to make something that I enjoyed using. So can we talk more about, like, what was your specific... Um, things that you wanted to, to target to, to really nail that the other ones just couldn't couldn't handle it, but Go Router does. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't compare Go Router to, to any of them. Um, I, I picked up several of them myself and ran into one problem or another. Maybe it was Docs. Maybe it was the style of the API. Maybe it was the complexity that kind of um, uh, made me kind of shy away from them enough that I got frustrated enough that I I went uh, to build my own. Um, and, and really, the, the, that's the beauty of, of building it for myself, is I could build it for myself. I could build an API that I wanted to use. And then, um, uh, and then as I did it, I kind of ended up writing, you know, like a chapter of a book for, for when it comes to the documentation and samples to, sh to show off. You know, if I was going to write some code to do a thing, I wanted to make sure that the readme kind of you know, the documentation told people how to use that thing. Um, otherwise, why build it, right? Why build in a bunch of secret functionality? So I ended up having, um, uh, you know, a very large, very comprehensive set of uh, readme and a set of samples that showed off kind of all the, the, the things that Go Router was meant to do. And it turns out um, people appreciated that. I, I've gotten plenty of, of, of good feedback, positive feedback on the list of capabilities that I covered, the style of the API that I built, and the the readme itself, the docs. What what was the idea? So it's it's kind of interesting, right? It's it is it is pretty new, 
but you already have a 2.0, right? Where you have some breaking mm-hmm. changes, right? So people came back to you and said, oh. That's right. I had I had breaking change that made me go from from 1.x to, to 2.x um, because that's the way Simver works. And I did that on purpose. I wanted people to opt in because they had to update their code. And as it turns out, I got a little clever in my design of the 1.0 and I did a little poll on Twitter and the world agreed with me that I got a little clever. So um, I fixed it in 2.0. Wait, wait, got a little clever. You mean like you were trying to do things that were maybe a little bit too complex? Yeah. So actually, I was trying to make it simpler by having... So the, the way it worked out was um, uh, with the Go router, you have two places to pass along parameters. You can pass them as part of the path, like you know, user slash ID slash something, right? And the, and the ID is a parameter. It's a variable in the, in the URL. And then, you, and then that affects routing, and it's um, exposed to you um, whenever you, it's time to build a page based on that data. You're handed, you know, a set of uh, a map, right? A set of name value pairs um, for ID, and then whatever the value is of the ID in a way that you would expect. But then the, there's another way to pass parameters that I support uh, in the URL, which is called query parameters, which is question mark foo equals bar blah blah blah, in the way that you know everyone's familiar with. And instead of maintaining those two as separate, here are the path parameters, here are the query parameters, I jam them together into the same um, map with the idea that it's just easy to go, you know, map name and then value. And whether they happen to come from the path or whether they happen to come from the query parameter, um, you know, it doesn't really matter from a programmer point of view. You just want to know what the value is. The limitation, however, and this was rightly pointed out to me, is that now I can't have any overlaps uh, between the two. And while that is generally the case that you don't want overlaps, um, remember that the URLs can come from deep links that exist already on the web. And so, you know, the, the web is a wild and woolly place and all manner of, of uh, things could happen. And so, um, so what I did was I updated the code and I, I exposed params and query params so that they're easy to get to either one of them. Um, and it turns out from a programming point of view, you often already know which one has w- which. So you don't ever have to go, oh, let me check for this value in params. If it's not there, let me check in query params. That's not a thing you ever have to do. You know where the data is going to come from. So um, it, it makes things simpler for people to understand which is important because I have to write the documentation and kind of tell people how things work. It makes it clearer when they read their code. Um, there's just, there was just really no downside in, and, you know, trying to pack them together into a single, uh, you know, namespace was just me being too clever. And that happens sometimes. What I sometimes hear about, uh, I don't know if this is a problem with, with the navigator or what is that, um, when I add in guards, the URL on top, I mean, it doesn't get changed to the, the guard URL. Like, so like, um, if you try to go to a section which you have to be authenticated, but you're not authenticated, I put in a guard to make sure that you are and you get redirected to, mm-hmm. to log in. But actually the URL on top doesn't get changed for some reason. I don't know if that's an issue of navigator or not, because I heard people complaining about this for different packages. Oh, that, that, uh, go router handles that, uh, sleep, uh, that situation properly. And, and go router has an, another thing that it does. So, you know, if you're, if you come into, you know, slash admin and you're not logged in, it will redirect. You, you can set it up to easily redirect to slash login and the URL will update without any problems. But one of the, th- uh, so that all works the way you want it to. Um, 
couple of things I do for when it comes to guards. One thing I do is you can set it up so that once you've logged in, you can actually, the Go router can automatically recalculate the route and say, oh, you're logged in. You don't need to be on the login page anymore. Let me send you to the page you're supposed to be on. Or vice versa, if you're logged out at any point during your app, it can automatically say, oh, you can't be on the page you're on anymore. You don't have permissions anymore. Let me send you to the login page. Right. So it can automatically do that. You just pass it in uh, a listenable object um, to the constructor for Go Router. And then whenever the login state changes, um, it will rerun all of your uh, redirect code and drop you in the same place automatically, which is kind of nice. And then another thing I do in the, um, in the examples is I show how to use query parameters to say, oh, I was going to, on a deep link to slash admin, but the user hasn't logged in yet. Where do you stash that data? So that after they have logged in, it will send them back to slash admin where they were on their way to in the first place. And Go router uh, completely supports that as well. Oh, you mean when you say go to slash admin, you're not logged in, you log in, then it takes you right back to the URL, which you were trying to get to. That's right. How do you actually handle that then? You must have some kind of temporary storage somewhere, right? Uh, I just, um, I'll, it's actually really simple. I just use the facilities of the Go router to say, oh, if they're on their way to slash admin, I'll, I'll hit the guard function. It will say, oh, they're not logged in. Let's send them to login with a query parameter, which is the URL to where they were going in the first place. And then the login page says, okay, log them in. If that works, go. And they, you know, provided this deep link. Let's just take them there and off you go. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, really, that's not very, well, it's clever, but also not very complicated, right? That's the best part. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the whole point of, of the Go router uh, is what is the simplest, smallest API that I can give people that does what they want and then gets the hell out of their way? And, and the way I designed it is, and this is how I've been designing APIs since I've been for my entire uh, career, is I just wrote the code that I wish I could write, and then I just went and implemented that code. Right. So all the, I essentially write the samples for GoRouter. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, well, how would I want that to work as a developer? Right. What's the simplest possible thing I can think of as a developer and how I describe that behavior? And then I go and implement it. Right. Okay. Great. Now I understand how I want it to work. Now let me go implement the library so it works that way. Okay. So is there any more future plans to make some bigger changes or it's pretty set the way it is right now? So, there are a couple of things I'm looking into. Right now, Go Router is meant to solve like the 80, 90, 95% case, um, it, it, it including, you know, custom transitions and nested routing and, and sub-routing and the redirection case we just talked about and, and you know, async data lookup and all of that. It handles all of that today. But there are some uh, additional uh, more complicated nesting routing solutions that I want to support. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of brainstorming with some members of the community about the best way to not only implement that, but expose that uh, in the GoRouter API. So again, it matches the principles of GoRouter, which is what is the smallest, simplest thing uh, I can ask uh, developers to tell me about, you know, the behavior they want, and then GoRouter can go off and, and do the right thing. Yeah, definitely. This is quite cool and pretty straightforward, I think. 
It looks like you're reading the Go Router documentation. Right yeah, now. yeah. I was just looking some more at it. Um, what I, what I was kind of curious about is if you support like custom transitions to pages, and you already support that, which is great because people always want to have a little bit something a little bit special, right? right? Which is pretty cool. That's right, for sure. Uh, for those observable objects, right? They have to be of a certain type. I was trying to see if I could find what that type is. Uh, listenable. It just has to be listenable, which is the core, the most basic mm. um, thing in Flutter for uh, for notification. So what kinds of things are actually listenable? I mean, it has to be a stream, right? No, no, no. Um, uh, the, the, easy, the easiest possible thing to do, and I showed this in the example um, uh, on the docs for GoRouter, is that you uh, extend change notifier. Mm. And change notifier is a listenable mm. that actually will automatically manage the subscribers for you for add and remove, so you don't have to write any of that code. All you have to do is when state in your object changes, you just call notify listeners. So essentially, for, you know, like you have a login info, you extend um, change notifier, and then, you know, you hand that off to uh, the Go router, and the Go router will be a listener, right? But somebody else will handle that, the, the base class, the, the change notifier will manage the subscriptions for you. And then, you know, in your login, all you do is, you know, you call the login function and whatever magic needs to happen for login. Once the login is complete and successful, then the login object just calls, okay, I'm logged in now, notify listeners. And then all of the redirect logic is, is recalculated and you're like, oh, I'm on the login page, but I'm already logged in. Let me go somewhere else. And it's just all handled automatically for you. Yeah. I almost think like you said... Maybe too much magic, but at the same time, it's very, very useful, right? You always kind of had this fine balance. It's meant to be declarative in the way that Flutter is declarative. And in the same, the same way, right? And of course, this is how we build Flutter apps, right? It's reactive, right? Which is, hey, I'm, I'm building some UI based on some state. When that state changes, the build will be called again, and I'll rebuild my UI based on whatever the current state is. That's exactly what's going on with the Go router, which is, it's, it's declarative in the sense that, hey, this is, you know, the state I'm using to figure out, you know, how to redirect my users. And when that app state changes, I'm going to let the router know. And the router's going to go, okay, well, let me recalculate where we should be based on this new state. And off it goes. It's, it's meant to be very Flutter-like, very reactive in the same way that Flutter is. Well, I mean, um, so I, I tend to use Block mostly because, yeah, there's quite some complicated things I have to do. I just find Block much easier to use for these kind of things, like especially when you listen for streams, it's easy just to admit uh, another event and, and update your state. Um, but like one of the, the things that one of the feedbacks I got from one of my clients when I was kind of teaching them how to use block properly is that like you would click a button, the, the event would go in and then state would come out. You'd have a listener, which would then trigger something else to happen. And people were kind of like, Oh boy, how can I follow the flow? Because this is getting very complicated. Right. So that's why I'm talking about like, for him, this is a little bit too magical, right? Is that one thing would trigger another. But, but here's the thing. In that case, it's less about, you know, navigation uh, or state management and more about where that person is in their journey as a Flutter developer. Because uh, composable, declarative, and reactive, I would argue, are the three pillars that define, you know, what it is to be Flutter. Right, that is how the Flutter UI is designed, and so for you to be a comfortable Flutter developer, these are core principles you have to understand. And and so, 
just because they, it takes, I mean, it, it, it's a learning curve, right? If you're not used to that, there's a learning curve there. But it would be a mistake, I think, to try to do it, uh, to work around the fact that somebody might not understand Flutter and try to build the, the Go router in a way that was not the same model as Flutter. Instead, what I'm trying to do is, once they understand what the core ideas of Flutter are, I'm just going to leverage those ideas and they'll see what, oh, you pass in the listable, oh, that makes sense. I know how to do that. I've done that. I've done that a hundred times before. So that's what I'm trying to do there. Yeah, that, no, that, that, that makes sense. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, I think for basically any type of UI, you always have to be reactive, right? Because people are going to be doing different things and you have to react right. upon the UI, right? You re react upon actions from the UI or events. Okay. Very cool. Um, is there anything, is there anything like you wanted to talk more about uh, with the Go router or else? I think we have a pretty good base and I think it's actually something I may take a look at. It's the API seems pretty straightforward. And I like the idea about the listener at the top level, which can redirect you once you get logged out. That's mm -hmm. really, really awesome. Um, one other thing that I will point you to, if you go all the way to the bottom, there's a, there's a, you know, here's where to report your issues. And I already have a, 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 a lot of activity there. Um, people are giving me feedback and asking questions. And above that is a list of samples. And it's about a dozen, you know, kind of, here's some samples that show if there's bits and pieces of the go router. And just above that is a, is a little debugging uh, section. And what I do is I make um, a Boolean um, uh, available from the constructor of the Go router, and you can flip this bit on, and it can help you understand what the Go router knows about the routes that you told it about. And it will show you what it's doing as you go through and do routing. Um, and um, if there's any problems along the way, it'll, it'll show the problems right there in the debug output. Of course, you'll also get the exception that you can handle as you choose. So um, I built that because um, I wanted to see what the Go router thought and what it was doing as I was building it and debugging it. But I left it in because um, I now use it all the time when I'm actually building my apps and I'm building up these you know non-trivial routing tables. Um, and I want to know, hey, what does Go router think? What what did I just tell Go router? Is that what I meant? That's what Go router and is it actually doing things um, the way that I expect? And it'll do things like say. Well, one of the concepts that I'm also pretty pleased with how it turned out in the, in the Go router was named routes. It'll say, oh, I've got a named route. I'm looking for the named route. Here's what I found. Now I'm routing to that named route. When you do redirection, it'll tell you I'm redirecting here, I'm redirecting here, I'm redirecting here. If you get beyond a routing limit, it'll tell you, sorry, I've, re I've routed too many times. That looks like an error. Um, I've redirected too many times because it'll keep redirecting um, so that, you know, you can leave around old routes or routes that are from the web, and you can you know make them all go to the same place. Um, but that can happen over multiple hops, and that's supported. Or the other thing, when you start doing multiple uh, redirects, that it supports is loops. So if you know if you accidentally say, "Oh, I'm going from home to login," and the login goes back to home or wherever, right? If you do some kind of a loop, it'll notice that you're in a loop, and it'll say, "Oh, that's a loop." You, you know, you've you've set up the redirection uh, improperly, and it'll print all that out. Seems like you thought of nearly everything. Uh, quite. <laughs> can I put that? Can I put that on the uh, the homepage for Go Router? Hey, it looks like you thought of nearly everything. You can take um, take, take it as a quote if you like. <laughs> so the other feature I'm really proud of that I really loved how it turned out in Go Router was this idea of named routes. 
Um, I mean, fundamentally, the, the core the core concept of the Go router is there's a location, and that location ends up as a stack of pages, right? And, and you can have sub routes and pull various bits and pieces off. I want to go to this page, you know, with this parameter and this page, this sub page with this parameter and so on, and build up a whole stack of, of pages. And that's that's the fundamental idea. Um, <clears throat> but if you're not careful, you can start throwing in, you know, all of these URL formats into all your code, right? You're suddenly doing, you know, string interpolation with slash users, slash, you know, dollar ID, slash this, slash that, et cetera. And now you're, you're building all of the URL formats into your code, um, which, you know, when you change them, when you inevitably change them over time as you refactor your app, now you got to go and track all this down or you have to go and put items in the redirect table and then, you know, things, uh, things build up over time, craft builds up over time. So what I do is uh, I have this concept called a named route and you can take any route in your, in your, um, in your set of routes and give it a name. And that name is now, you can do an immediate lookup. It's an O of one lookup. I've got the name. What's the, what's the, um, the format of that, um, of that URL for that name? And it will fill in all the parameters and it will tell you, oh, you know, you haven't given me all the parameters. So it's, it's not type safe, right? Essentially, you're just passing in a bunch of strings, but, but, um, it will tell you, oh, you forgot this parameter or that parameter. So, you know, it, it can let you know if you, if you made a problem. But the, the nice thing about it is, the way it's structured is the you, none of your code, none of your redirect code, none of your navigation code, none of your code needs to actually ever care about the structure of those URLs. It can just go say, I want to go to this route. Here are the parameters. You figure it out. Or it can just say, um, oh, I want to redirect to this other named route. And then off, off it goes. You don't ever have to build, you know, knowledge of, what the actual URL strings look like, except for in one place, which is the list of routes itself. So you can do it in one place and then look, um, and then you don't have to care about it in the rest of your app. So I was pretty pleased about how named routing turned out uh, in the Go router as well. So you can actually change the routes and still keep the same names, right, in the future. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's, that's powerful. You can totally re refactor how things are routed in your app whenever you want to, if you keep the names the same and the parameters the same, the rest of your app doesn't care. Yeah, you just have to be careful about the routes from the outside coming in, right? Well, and so that's the other thing that is cool about it is that you can handle any number of routes from the outside via deep linking, and then you can just redirect those to whatever the route is you want and maintain that table as a set of named routes, and you never have to care. You can just say, I want to... This crazy, you know, URL from the outside, I'm going to, you know, take, pull out all those parameters, send them to named route 452 and off it goes. And, and that could be, you know, some other place in your route table and it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is definitely really cool. Uh, yeah, I quite like this. I think the only thing I wish there was a way to integrate that, that listener with a block, but I guess I could. It's probably something else you could do with that. Well, I mean, uh, listenable is the core mm -hmm. observable API in uh, in Dart, right? So anything in you know anything you would build in block, anything you would build in any of these, um, could easily be mapped to this core concept in in uh, in Dart. Okay, I have to take a look at that one.
I'm always so stuck in building apps that I don't really get a chance to dig deep into some of these topics. So it's a good chance for me to take a look at it. You bet. I really want to hear what uh, what your thoughts are when it comes to um, uh, you know integrating uh, Go Router with Block. Come on over. There's a whole discussion area on the on the repo. You know, feel free to drop in what you find out. Oh, and and it would be really cool to have a block um, specific sample that I could share with people, so that other people who use Block and Go Router together um, already have you know a sample of how to do that. It's my chance to give back. You bet, for sure. And in two and a half weeks, I've gotten to like seven contributors on the project already, and I don't know more than a hundred stuff. I mean, people are people are very engaged, um, uh, surprisingly so. Actually, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, I was uh, surprised at how many people engage so deeply with Go Router so quickly. Yeah, I'm curious about you know what brought them to Go Router, right? Is it um. I don't know. I guess maybe just another solution to try out and see if it works for them, or maybe this one really works for them. Well, it is interesting. Uh, I get a lot of feedback on the on the docs, and I've noticed that as we're here on this call, that you're spending more and more time scrolling through the docs and saying, "Huh, this looks pretty cool. Huh, I think I might want to try this." So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, it's 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 like you said, routing is really similar to state management, where you don't really there's not really one solution that can cover all different apps, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I always come. I actually have a question, uh, not so related to your Go router, but more on the state management side. Like, I think there was a time when sure. Flutter said block is the way to go, and then they changed to provider, right? Like, what was the process? Actually, um, uh, I was involved with that. One, almost one of my first uh, jobs on the team was, hey, you know, what's this? Because I was a Flutter developer before I joined the team. And I came to the team. I'm like, what the hell is the deal with state management? This is just nuts. You know, what is the right thing? And the answer was, we, we weren't quite sure yet. At the previous I.O., we had kind of given a talk where we listed a bunch of different state management solutions. And the very one, last one we talked about was Block. And, and so the audience just assumed um, that, oh, Block, because it was the last one in that talk, that must be the one that the Flutter team is recommending. And so a bunch of people dug in adopt Block. And then we got a ton of feedback saying, oh, my God, I can't believe you recommend Block. It's so hard. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Block is definitely, you know, something that has its place, but it's also very difficult for a new developer to a new Flutter developer to climb that that mountain, right? Uh, as you know, Alan. Um, and so it wasn't so much that we recommended Block and then changed our mind. It was that we inadvertently recommended Block, and then when we actually recommended people to use Provider, and, and we worked with Remy a bunch on usability to make sure it was something because we also had something that we were building. We threw that away. We worked with Remy. Remy, you know, had something that was so close, we got it to the next level. And then that's when we started having that really when, when, uh, provider 1.0 was released, uh, by Remy. That's really the first time we recommended any state management solution. But unfortunately, we miscommunicated and we sent folks down the block road without, without meaning to. It's kind of interesting too, because Remy came back with Riverpod now. And I, I, I heard talks, but I don't, I can't mm -hmm. say this is for sure what he said, but I've always heard that like, Riverpod is like what providers should have been, or it's provider 2.0. Like, is there any thoughts in the Google team about Riverpod versus provider? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly we've seen RiverPod, and we've definitely seen a lot of folks um, be uh, pretty happy with it. The state of the docks right now, um, if you are an advanced Flutter developer and you look at RiverPod and you're like, oh, this is great. It solves all the provider problems. I wouldn't say that right now it's at a place where I would recommend, um, you know, Flutter developers at every level. Um, the I think the learning curve is a little high right now. And I don't think that is intrinsic to RiverPod. I think it's just the state of, of the docs. Yeah, I think I think provider is or sorry riverpod is definitely a little bit complicated because like i had some problems yesterday working on an app that was using riverpod and uh the biggest issue i had was like how the heck do i read this provider i just want to like grab this thing and use it but i i don't know how to do it and i have to get a ref where do i get my ref from it just wasn't very straightforward i had to go back and read the docs and like figure out what how the heck do i do this it took me a long time to figure it out yeah i think let's like say i think riverpod is is um is powerful and has the potential, maybe, um, to replace a provider in the future. Right now, though, I just don't think it's ready. And, and of course, that's the beauty. It doesn't matter what I think, right? Everyone in the world can go use RiverPod tomorrow, regardless of what I think, if, that, if they find that that um, is, is what solves their problem. That is the, the wonder and beauty of enabling an ecosystem to grow as opposed to trying to, say, and with Flutter, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and that's that's all you do. And we are very much not like that on the Flutter team. What about your your go to solution? Right, are you using Provider or are you using something else? Um, I have uh, I I go back and forth between Provider and a little homebrew solution that I that I built a little lightweight homebrew solution that is very stylized for the way I write code, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else. Um, and then um, when I'm uh, just I, like I say, I go back and forth between my little homegrown and provider. That is the one I use um, when I don't uh, when I don't use uh, my little thing. Now you got now you got me curious. I'm so curious about your little thing, but maybe someday you'll release it and show people. It's not better than provider. <clears throat> it's just simpler based on how I write my apps. Okay. Uh, I do have another question though. I, was, I found it kind of curious. So you have the publisher is Sales Brothers. Are you working with your brother or, or uh, on something? Actually, uh, it's interesting. So um, I've had a little consulting uh, company since 1992. I've done a lot of independent consulting. I've written a bunch of books, and that's where the royalties come, etc. Um, and um, and that I needed a name for a company in 1992, uh, and. Uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't come up with a name then, like now, where you couldn't also acquire the website. And so um, I brainstormed a bunch, um, and uh, I finally landed on Sales Brothers. Uh, it turns out that the name of the website is not me and my brother, but rather my two sons. I have two sons, and uh, they um, uh, so it, I've actually been squatting on their website for a couple of decades now. Oh, so you're basically kind of helping them out in the future so when they're ready to go, they already have a very good SEO and everything else, right? That's right. I'm trying to build up uh, the value of the website as part of their inheritance. There you go. So when they, they can they can sell that for paying for college, I guess, right? <laughs> well, they're, uh, they're already uh, uh, in, uh, embarrassingly old, 26 and 27. So... Um, uh, I don't know if the website's going to ever be more valuable <laughs> or enough really for them to care. They have Gmail addresses, to be honest. 
Um, I'm the only one with the salesbrothers.com email address. No, that's okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to, to mention or talk about what's going on in, in the community? I mean, I know we just had a new release of 2.5, uh, which is pretty, pretty solid. Yep. And of course, we have one more release coming before the end of the year. Um, and some really good stuff in it, actually. Um, uh, some of it is, is the culmination of work I've had during almost my whole career on the Flutter team. I'm pretty excited uh, about the release at the end of this year. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. No, no, no mention about what's coming up. We'll have to wait and see. Well, well to, to be clear, you can see exactly what's coming up. Uh, it's in the it's in the repo, right? Help yourself. You can see uh, all the things we're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. I have to dig through the repo now. That's I was hoping to get a, a, a Cliff Note version from you. Sure, sure, sure. Well, why we spoil the surprise? Okay, no problem. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I really thank you for taking the time to come out. I'm, I'm happy that you could make so time for us so quickly, right? I think I sent you an email and then like within a, this, within a couple of days, you're already on the show, which is fantastic. So I appreciate you having so much time. Well, as you, uh, uh, as you might imagine, I, of course, um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty busy in my role as PM on the Flutter team. That said, I think I mentioned this earlier in the show, right? Developers are my people. Developers are the, the folks that I most like um, as customers, that I most resonate with myself. Um, and that, uh, you know, if I have an opportunity to, to reach out to the developer community, um, I like to do so. And it's actually, it's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Alan, and, and hear your questions because that, I know you represent a segment of our developer audience. And so your questions aren't just from you, right? It's from, you know, a cross section of developers. And so it, it helps me do my job better every time I actually get to talk to real Flutter developers writing real Flutter code. Yeah, this is true. I, that's why I'm never afraid to ask a question because I'm sure there's somebody else out there with the same question as me. For sure. Absolutely. Not just, you know, not just one other person, right? You know, tens or hundreds or thousands of, of Flutter developers uh, with the same question. So, um, always happy to, to help and spend time with developers if I can. All right. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, maybe we'll have you back again pretty soon to talk about another Flutter release or something of that sort. Sure. If we wanted to talk, you know, after the after the year-end release, maybe, and we can talk about some of the details there, I'd happy to come back on sure. the show. Maybe let's set that up then. Maybe we have you every single time there's a new release, you come on and talk about it. That's also good, too. <laughs> well, and it's not just me. I mean, there's lots of uh, great people in the... Uh, the Flutter team, um, you know, we can spread the spread, spread the love. The love. Oh, you mean you don't you don't want to, to to you want to share the limelight? Then that's good. Oh yeah, I mean it, the the percentage of things that I do on the Flutter team compared to the, what the overall Flutter team does, or you know what the Flutter community as a whole mm -hmm. does. Um, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm a teeny tiny part, so ha you know it it, it it would be. Uh, unreasonable for me to uh, to claim that you know just me or I had a significant you know influence right it is a team effort and the team isn't just the you know Google engineers it isn't even just you know the corporate engineers as we work with Microsoft and and Canonical um, it's the Flutter community as a whole it, 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 I, I've been involved with a ton of developer communities over the years and the Dart and Flutter community is second to none. It's just a magical. Uh, we're in a magical point in time uh, right now with 
you know, being able to actually imagine a world where you can write, you know, a single program that targets multiple platforms um, and this amazing developer community uh, that's making that happen. Uh, I'm so proud and happy to be to be a member. I can't even tell you. Yeah, I, I admit too. I think Flutter is the first solution I really feel is really, I don't, I don't know if cross-platform is the right word, but multi-platform is probably the better word to use, right? Yeah, that's right. Because cross-platform, in my mind, kind of, um, you know, implies kind of a minimum common denominator thing, and that's not Flutter at all. Flutter is meant so you can take the maximum advantage on every single platform you target. Uh, so I tend to think of it as a multi-platform solution. Yeah, I think so too. Plus, I think cross-platform has been tainted by previous solutions. I think so too. Okay. Uh, so again, thanks for coming on, and uh, we can talk more about maybe having you or somebody else coming back on the show. Absolutely, for sure.